Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Last week we take, uh, took a look at the life of Peter, and uh, there's so much to say about the life of Peter. We certainly couldn't cover it all, uh, but we did take a look at his life, how he met the Lord, how he began to follow as a disciple. We're going to take a look at his brother. His brother, Andrew, of course, uh, they lived together. They were from the same city. They had moved to Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee, apparently, to try to grow their business, try to you know, uh, earn some more income. Uh, From uh, one of the passages, we see that uh, Andrew and Simon lived together. Peter was married, had a mother-in-law that was living with him. Uh, And we know a lot about Peter, but we know a little bit less about Andrew. But Andrew is no less significant, even though we know a little bit less about him. And I want to take a look this morning at Andrew and a few aspects of his life that we can learn about how God chooses and uses regular people. The first of which I see is that Andrew spiritually responded to Christ. Andrew was a disciple that quickly responded to the moving of the Lord. And we all have that experience of when you have that button or you have that device that doesn't quite work the first time you push the button, right? You kind of got to match it a little bit or, you know, you got to do this or that to try to get it to work. We all have that kind of experience. We all have that experience with that thing that just works the first time no matter what. And Andrew was that kind of disciple. Andrew was the kind of disciple that if you just let him know, he would go do it. You just hinted at something and he would follow. And how do we know this? How do we know that Andrew was that kind of disciple? That Andrew was the kind of disciple who was responsive. The one who would just hear what the Lord would say and immediately say, yes, that's what I'm going to do. That's where I'm going to go. That's how I'm going to follow. Well, we know this because, well, he was the first disciple of Jesus. Mark begins his account of the gospel this way in Mark chapter number one. In verse number one. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So if you're familiar with the gospel story, you know that before Jesus began his public ministry, John the Baptist began preaching. He began preaching in the desert areas, in the wilderness, and his message was repentance for the remission of sins. Confess your sins, repent, turn to the Lord in faith for the remission of sins. And people were coming to hear him. I don't know how this happened, but here is John out in the desert areas, not in the cities, not in the towns. He's out there where really nobody else is around, but people hear about him and they start coming. They start responding. They start repenting. And some people begin to follow him. Some people begin to be his disciples. But I want you to notice where these people are that are hearing about John, responding to John, and following John. In verse number five, it says, And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. So here is John the Baptist. He's preaching out in the wilderness, and the people who are coming to hear him are from Judea. Now, if you're familiar with the map of Israel during that time, you'll know in the southern part where, like, for instance, Jerusalem is, right near the Dead Sea, you have Judea. 
that's Judea. A little bit north of that is Samaria. And north of that, where the Sea of Galilee is, is the area of Galilee. So in the southern area where Judea is, where Jerusalem is, that's where the people are hearing about John. They're coming to John. They're listening to John. They're responding to John. They're being baptized by John. They're following John, all of these people. But Andrew is not from Judea. He's not from Jerusalem. He's from Capernaum. He's not from the area where everybody else is hearing about John and following John. He's from the northern area. So here is John in the southern area baptizing and preaching, and people from that area are responding. Now, of course, you would have had news, people traveling up to the northern area, doing business, seeing family, doing the things that people would do. And, of course, they would naturally talk about, you know, what's going on. You know, they didn't have Twitter back then. They don't know. So they would ask, hey, so you're from Jerusalem. You're from Judea. You've been there for a while. What's going on? Tell me about what's going on down there. Oh, you'll never believe it. There's a guy there. His name is John. And, uh, boy, he's an interesting fellow. And he's out there in the desert preaching, you know, about repentance and preaching that the Messiah is going to come and, and doing all of these things. And so news is beginning to travel, I'm sure, up to the northern area. And it seems apparent that Andrew heard about it. He goes down to Judea. He hears the preaching of John the Baptist. He is baptized by John the Baptist, and he begins to follow John the Baptist. It's very interesting, right? That Andrew, being from the northern area, is a disciple when it's obvious at the very beginning the people who heard and followed John the Baptist were from the southern area. And so you could see even right away, even though Andrew is seeing this from afar, he hears news of a message from God, and he's not just like, huh, that's interesting. What he does, he says, I got to go and see for myself. I want to go listen for myself. And he responds to the preaching of John the Baptist. And from there, he begins to follow the Lord Jesus. We read that in John chapter number one. He's following John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus Christ. The very next day, John sees Jesus again, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And John has two disciples with him, and they said, if that's the Lamb of God, we should go follow him. John's telling us to follow him. So they begin to follow him, one of them being Andrew. So you can see already right away that whatever message that God has for people, that God has for him, he's willing to respond right away. We also see that because he immediately followed the call of Jesus Christ. Later, Andrew, he's been following Jesus. He comes back home for a little while and Jesus comes back to him. He goes to the Sea of Galilee. He's there on the shore. They have an interaction together. And from there, he begins to follow Jesus again. Kind of more, if you will, a full-time disciple, not just a part-time or a temporary. In verse 16 of Mark chapter 1, it says, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus saith unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. 
And the word there is straightway. And straightway, right away, immediately, they forsook their nets and followed him. So immediately, they just drop everything. They don't even bother putting everything away. They just drop it, and they go and they follow Jesus. So again, time and again, you see, Andrew is the one, whenever there's a message to Andrew, he immediately says yes. He immediately obeys. He immediately responds. There's another incident in John chapter number 12, verse number 20, where it says, And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was a Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Now, this is a little bit before Jesus is going to be crucified. So this is when there are huge crowds of people. And Jesus had made it pretty clear that his ministry was to the lost house of Israel. So he is preaching to those that were Jewish, reaching those that were Jewish. And here are some that are Greeks that are coming and they want to see Jesus. Maybe that's why Philip is hesitating. If you read uh, verse 20 and 21, you see that John is he's hesitant. The, the people are, are persistently asking him, we want to see Jesus. And Philip says, okay, okay, okay. And he goes and does other things. And then they come back to him and say, hey, we want to see Jesus. Okay, I know, I, I, I heard you. Just hold on a second. And they keep coming back around until eventually it says, Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. Now, why would Philip tell Andrew? He could have just brought him directly. It seems pretty apparent that they're asking him, asking him, asking him. He doesn't know what to do. So he says, Andrew, these people keep asking. What do we do? Andrew, it says, and again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. You know what Andrew says? Let's go tell Jesus. Let's go bring him to Jesus. You see that Philip is, I'm not really sure what to do here, but Andrew says, all right, let's go do it. Hey, let's take care of this. Let's, let's bring them to Jesus. And, and this is one of the traits that made Andrew a wonderful disciple. Some people need to be told time and time and time and time and time again. Andrew was not that disciple. Andrew was a disciple. You told him once, he was going to go do it. He wanted to follow. He wanted to respond. He, he didn't get callous. He was immediately responsive. That's one of the traits of Andrew. That's a wonderful uh, aspect of his following Jesus Christ. Another is that he served in his role from Christ. Because if we are going to be disciples of the Lord, we must remember that we are servants. We are all servants of the Lord. Mark chapter 9, verse 35 says, And he sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. So Jesus said, All right, we are all called to be servants. The first shall be last. The last, uh, uh, the same, if you want to be first, then you should be last of all and servant of all. And I think Andrew exemplifies the service greatly. Because we just mentioned that Andrew was the first disciple of Jesus Christ. Usually, being first comes with some recognition, right? Some special accolade, right? The first man to walk on the moon is who? Neil Armstrong, the student knows who was the first man to walk on the moon, right? First man to walk on the moon is, of course, we all know this, right? It's Neil Armstrong, right? Who's the second man to walk on the moon? Right? Who's the second? Some of you don't know this, right? So it's Buzz Aldrin, all right? Now here comes the difficult one. Who's the third man to walk on the moon? Anybody know? I didn't know. I had to look this up. What's his name? All right. Charles Conrad, that well-known astronaut, he walked on the moon. 
but none of you know who he is, right? If I said, oh, I met Charles Conrad, you'd be like, Charles who? Who's that? Right? He walked on the moon, right? The first one gets some special accolades. This is the ones after that that are often forgotten. The first president of the United States is George Washington. We all know that. The second president of the United States is John Adams. Good. The third president? Jefferson. All right, I, I hear students' voices, all right? They've been learning this in school. We, we adults, we forgot it, right? All right, now here, let, let's go a little bit deeper, okay? Who's the fourth president? Oh, we got a student here. Fifth? Not Adams, that's number six. Monroe, right? See, the first one, we all know, Washington, we know right away. Uh, four, five? I'm not sure. Ten? I really had no clue. It's John Tyler. Did you know John Tyler was a president of the United States? I'd forgotten about this. The first, we know. Second, sometimes we might know. The first, though, is clear, right? Who's the first person to fly, right? The Wright brothers, right? Who was after that? I don't know, <laughs> right? We don't know these answers. The first pastor of Bible Baptist Church is... <laughs> Y'all know the answer because we just heard his name here, right? Timothy Choi, right? Okay, so the first we know. We know about the first. The first are the well-known ones. But if I were to ask you, name me a disciple of Jesus Christ, most people, probably all of us, would either say something like Peter, right? James or John, right? You might even go right to the end and think about Judas, right? You would think about those. But none of those were the first disciple. You know who the first disciple was? It was Andrew. Shouldn't Andrew get special credit for being the first one to respond? I, this is John the Baptist. He has a special message. He's from God. That's Jesus Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the Lamb of God. I'm going to go and follow him. We don't give him credit for that, though. We, we often overlook that. We often forget about that. In the list of the disciples that are listed, Andrew is not listed as the first one. It is always his brother, Peter. Peter gets the recognition of being the leader. But Andrew was really the first one to respond, and yet we don't see him clamoring about, hey, you know, I was the first one here. Oh, Peter, James, and John, you all want to be the greatest? I was here before all of you, you know? He didn't say that. He just continued to faithfully follow the Lord. In fact, even beyond the Gospels, we don't really see Andrew at all. We don't know what Andrew did. We don't know where Andrew went. We don't know all of the ministries of Andrew. We don't know who he reached with the gospel. We don't, we don't know all of these things. The details are very thin. Uh, you know, we have some, you know, records that it seems like he was maybe martyred in Greece and, and things like that, but we don't really know that much. Peter is known as standing up in front of people and everybody knows about Peter and sees Peter. We don't really know that much about Andrew, even though he was first, and yet he was faithful and God used him greatly. And it's been said that we can accomplish much if we don't care who gets the credit. Andrew should get the credit for Peter's being there, right? The reason why Peter is there is because Andrew brought him there. He went and he found his brother, and that's why he's even there. But he doesn't get credit for that, and yet he faithfully followed the Lord. That's really who we are. We're just servants of God. Maybe some get more credit than others. Maybe some get more attention than others. The Bible speaks of, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, we won't read th these verses here, but there are verses here that talk about the body of Christ. 
And you have all those different sorts of body parts. You have the eyes, you have the mouth, you have the ears, you have, you know, you have the, the parts that get, gather a lot of attention, but there's a lot of body parts that you don't see. You don't see the lungs, you don't see, you know, the liver, you don't see these body parts, and yet they're so vital for the life and function of the body. But they don't get credit for that, do they? Right? Nobody sees that, nobody recognizes that. Andrew, I believe, is one of those kinds of servants, just faithfully serving the Lord wherever he was put. Thirdly and lastly, what we see in the life of Andrew is that Andrew sought relationships for Christ. Andrew seems to be quite relational in thinking about people. He thought about people. And I think from the testimonies that you heard earlier, this church is about people. Right? The ministry is about people. It's about reaching people, helping people, leading people to the Lord so that they might be saved. Andrew thought about people. That's what he thought about in ministry is he thought about people. Andrew sought out specific people. We took a look uh, already at how Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist before becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're here in John chapter number 1, again, in verse number 35. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, one of them being Andrew, and looked upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. So this disciple, Andrew, followed Jesus. Verse number 41 gives us the account of the very first thing that Andrew did as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It says there in verse 41, He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. So Andrew is following John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, That's the Lamb of God. So he goes and he follows Jesus. The very first thing he does as a disciple of Jesus is he finds his brother Simon. Now this is important because he thought about a specific person. He thought about one person that he could tell, I have found the Messiah. He didn't think about the world. He didn't think about all the Israelites. He didn't think about all of the different people. He thought about one person. And that's how ministry is done, with reaching one person. As a church, we are called to reach the nations, right? You see that in Matthew chapter 28. You see that in Acts chapter number 1. We are called to reach the world, to the uttermost part of the world. That is our calling. How in the world are we supposed to do that? By reaching one person. Each believer of Jesus Christ reaching one other person. When one believer goes out and shares the gospel with one person, and leads that one person to the Lord and shows them what the Bible says so that they would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be their Savior. And then brings them and, and shows them, you know, in the very next step, you need to be baptized, right? That's what Jesus said. Teaching them all things, or uh, teach them, uh, uh, teaching all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. All right, so you're saved. The next thing is you need to be baptized. The next thing is you need to learn what the Bible says and do all of those things. All right, so that's, that's what Andrew is doing. He's reaching one person, 
sharing it with one person and helping that one individual. Imagine if every single believer who was here shared the gospel and led one person to the Lord, all right? One family member or one coworker, one neighbor. You don't have to think about all the, oh, I have so many relatives and so many family members. I have so many friends, so many coworkers, so many neighbors, so many people. There's lots of people. But let's not, let, let's not lose our focus and just think, let's just think about, okay, who's one person I could reach this week? Who's one person I could tell? That's what Andrew thought about. He thought, I'm following Jesus now. What should I do? I should reach somebody. And he thought about this one person, his brother, which leads us then to this. Andrew, not just, he didn't just seek out individual people, specific people. He sought out people that he knew. Andrew went and he reached his brother. Verse 41, he first findeth, findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. So Andrew goes and finds his brother Simon, brings him to Jesus. Jesus sees him, all right? And eventually, of course, he becomes his disciple. Now you have to remember again, where is Andrew as he's following John the Baptist? He's in the wilderness on the other side of the Jordan, kind of near the Judean area. So when Andrew is following John, then he begins to follow Jesus the first thing he thinks about is, I need to go reach my brother Simon. Simon, though, isn't there in Judea. He's not there near the River Jordan. You know where he's at? He's at home. He's in Capernaum, working a job. He's married. He's got family to support. So he's working while his brother Andrew is going off and following John the Baptist. So in your mind, you have to remember, okay, in the southern part is where Andrew is. His brother is in the northern part. As a disciple, the very first thing Andrew does is he thinks, I got to go reach my brother, and he goes to his brother. Now, on a map today, you might think, well, that's not very far. But you've never walked that far, <laughs> right? This probably would have taken about three to four days walk. So when Andrew follows Jesus and he thinks, I have to tell Simon, it's not like he just happened to go home that day and said, hey, Peter, you'll never guess what happened today. I met the Messiah. That's not what happened. You know what happened? He went with Jesus. They abode there that day. He woke up the next morning and began to travel back home three to four days. All right. Before I moved here, I lived in New Jersey. All right. From New Jersey to here, if you drive pretty much straight shot, as straight as you can go, it'll take you about 40 hours to drive. It's about a four days drive. So you can imagine it's as if Andrew were here in LA and he met the Messiah. And he said, I gotta go tell my brother and began to think I gotta drive to New Jersey <laughs> to tell my brother. That's the kind of thing that Andrew was thinking. And he went that far out of his way to reach Peter. He tells Peter, he says, we have met the Messiah. You gotta meet him. And they drive back. <laughs> so he brings Peter back down to where Jesus is in order to reach him with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the mentality of Andrew. I have to reach somebody I know, even if it means I got to go a couple days up and a couple days. It's like a week journey to get his brother and bring him back to Jesus. But that's what Peter thought, or that's what Andrew thought. Andrew thought, 
I know somebody that I can reach, and that's my brother Ann, uh, Peter. And even if it means I got to walk three to four days to go find him and walk three to four days back to bring him to Jesus, this person is worth it. That's what Andrew was thinking. Lastly, what we see is that Andrew sought out willing people in John chapter number six. We see the record of the feeding of the 5,000. There's this huge multitude of people following Jesus and they're hungry. And so the disciples are saying, Jesus is kind of getting late. People are getting hungry. Why don't you send them into the neighboring town so that they could buy themselves food? And Jesus says, why don't you feed them? And they said, feed them with what? And they said, well, we have a little bit of money, but what are we going to do with this money? The Bible says that Jesus told them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. So he says, all right, I want you to go and see how much bread you have right now. And when they knew it, they said five loaves and two fishes. Now we know that the disciple who brought the little boy with the five loaves and two fishes was Andrew, because we read that in the book of John, all right? So we see this passage happening. So Jesus is telling the disciples, go feed all of these people. These thousands and thousands of people, go feed them. And the disciples are like, we can't feed them. We don't have enough. And Jesus says, okay, tell me how much bread you have right now. And Andrew, he goes to the other disciples, they all huddle around. Okay, how much bread do we have? Do you have any bread? Do you have any bread? I don't have any bread. What are we going to do? They go around and apparently there's a boy that overhears this and he says, I have some bread. And he offers five loaves and two fishes. Andrew looks at this lunch. Now, we're not talking about these huge baguettes, okay? We're talking about these little thin, like almost cracker type size, little loaves, biscuits, these little things, a little boy's lunch. How much could a little boy eat? That's how much he had. So that's what he has. So he looks at it and he thinks, this isn't very much, but Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Jesus, I mean, this is what we got. But even he admits, what are they among so many? So Andrew is thinking, this isn't anything, but he's thinking still, Jesus asked me a question. I want to bring him whatever it is that he's asking for. I don't think it's much, but I'm going to bring him something. And Andrew, give him the credit here. He says, well, in my eyes, it's not much, but this boy is willing. All right, Jesus, here's a willing person. You know, that's what Andrew was thinking. I know in ministry, sometimes it can be, you know, you share the gospel with this person and that person and that person. You share the gospel with another person and they're not interested. They're not listening and, and they don't really care. You're, you're, you're talking to another brother or sister in Christ. Hey, let's go serve God. Let's go do something. And they don't show up. They don't really care. They're not really responding. They're not participating. And, and sometimes it can feel that way. And then you find that one person who is willing, that's the person that you need to go reach. That's the person you think, hey, let's go serve God together. That's what we need to do. That's what Andrew was doing. Andrew was thinking, well, I don't really know what we could do with this, but this person's willing, so Jesus, here. And that's what we can do as well. That's what Andrew was thinking. He was thinking about people. He didn't think that this little boy was much. He didn't think that the lunch he had was much, but the boy was willing. So he brought the boy to Jesus. That's what he did. And that's what we do as well. And that's how Andrew was able to reach. And through what Andrew did, Jesus was able to feed the 5,000. 
So even though we think about the feeding of the 5,000 is Jesus, and Jesus is the one who did it, but Jesus could have just made it rain bread from heaven. <laughs> he did it before. He could have just had it pouring out of heaven, but he didn't. He worked through Andrew to reach somebody who had a little lunch. He would take the lunch that was willingly offered to him, and he would use that to feed the 5,000. And that's how Andrew was able to help in ministry, to be a disciple. He said, well, this is what Jesus asked for, so I'm going to give him what he asked for, even though I don't really understand why. I don't even understand how it's going to happen. But he responded. He just said, that's what Jesus said. That's what I'm going to do. That's how he lived his life, and that's how he was a disciple, and reaching people so that now we have... First of all, the feeding of the 5,000 through what Andrew did. And then think about all of the people that we know that were saved through the ministry of Peter. He preached on Pentecost. He preached later. He planted churches. He wrote some epistles. All of that because Andrew reached one person. Andrew reached one person. And because of that, think of the impact that he made. And that's what Andrew was. He reached one person. And think about what we could do. You might think, well, I don't know. This person wants to get saved, and I'm going to lead him to the Lord. But what can we expect? God can, through ordinary people, do great things.